Welcome to Next of Kin, the parents podcast. I'm your host, Emma. I'm a British expat living in Dubai, UAE with my partner and baby girl. Join me on my expat motherhood journey. I'll be discussing different topics each week and we'll be joined by some wonderful guests. Now, if you're a mum, you're short on time. So let's jump right in. Welcome back, everyone. How have your weeks been? I've had a quite interesting week. If you follow me on Instagram, you'll have already heard about my drama on Wednesday. (laughs) My productivity efforts that I keep banging on about were, well, pretty self-sabotaged on Wednesday. (laughs) Firstly, by my own impulse shopping, I spent far too much on the Gap Love Shack Fancy collection because they had such cute mummy and baby outfits. They're all matching little dresses. This then ended me up in a bit of a pickle, hurrying to get to an event that I was meant to be at. I then turn up to said event and I was told that I was a day late. (laughs) Luckily, I have a pretty high embarrassment threshold because I did look a bit of an idiot. Then I got home to see that the original ticket did have Wednesday on, so I hadn't completely lost my mind. I can't believe she made me look like such an idiot. They're literally looking at me like, who is this girl turning up like five minutes, 10 minutes late in an absolute hurry on the wrong day? They hadn't actually sent out a change of date. Or, okay, maybe they did and I just didn't get it. But still, I can't believe she made me look like I was the idiot. (laughs) Anyway, I guess I got a fair bit done last week and I spent a lot of time with Bonnie, which is great, but it was mainly because she's extra clingy right now. Actually, that's something quite difficult about working from home. I don't know anyone that works from home that listens that finds this, but when they're extra clingy to you and you try to dash past if you need to go to the loo or get a glass of water (laughs) because you don't want them to notice you because it's going to break your heart when you have to say, I'm so sorry, mummy has to work. And then they're crying out for you. And to be honest, in my case, I work for myself. So I find it so hard to justify not going and playing so I end up just going and playing with her which is another reason why I should be the epitome of productivity when I actually am working but yeah I'm human so there we go it's also nice that the classes and things like that have started up again now so we've been enjoying social talks with Steph and we also went to a little gym class at Cityland Mall not sure if she found that one a bit much maybe a little bit loud a bit overwhelming But she did love crawling around on all the mats and all the slopes and, you know, these gym equipments, crawling over everything. So I think it's worth trying again, maybe this weekend to see how she is. And maybe she'll get a little bit more comfortable and gain a bit more confidence as the weeks go on. So let's see. I'll try it another time with her. Actually, back to the clinginess I mentioned. I wonder how more experienced mums found the clingy stages because I thought it was the eight to ten months age bracket that would be the height of the clinginess you know when they have that object permanence is it and the separation anxiety but over the last few weeks her clinginess has got a lot last week I decided to just take her with me when I needed to nip out to view some studios uh, for a photo shoot for the next of Kim brand launch But yesterday I nipped out in the morning to view a location and I'd be gone over nap time. So I didn't even think to take her with me. But then when I came back, I'd been gone 
just shy of two hours, but she was still asleep and her nanny looked visibly shaken, saying that she had just cried and cried and hadn't wanted to nap. So she'd tried all the obvious things like taking her out, taking to the building's playroom or, you know, a change of scenery usually works wonders in these situations. But apparently she still just cried and cried and her nanny hadn't experienced that before with Bonnie. Like Bonnie is a fussy baby, but she can normally make it better. So obviously hearing this completely broke my heart. So here I am coming up to a really busy period leading up to the brand launch and it looks like I'm going to have to do this all with a baby perched on my hip. With all of that said though, if I hadn't recorded episode 9 where I vowed to be more productive and also said about how I need to spend my money better, if I hadn't recorded that I probably would have kept all my Gap Love Shack fancy stuff. (laughs) But Wednesday went completely against what everything that I'd said in that podcast episode and so I decided I should probably take half the stuff back and instead I would spend that money on the Scottish Soul Sisters you know Nikki from episode five you know Nikki I thought it's time to finally get her online course if I'm about to be this busy all with a clingy baby and being completely sleep deprived then I probably need to be doing something to make sure that I'm not absolutely burnt out before we actually launch next of kin And I remember Nikki having some easy steps that I feel like I could actually achieve. So the plan is to work through that whilst I'm nap trapped, (laughs) which is going to be better for my mental health than just mindless doom scrolling. It's called, isn't it? Doom scrolling on Instagram. Anyway, I'm going to dig a bit deeper into motherhood emotions this week. I wrote out this episode as a way to offload for myself. I wasn't entirely sure I would actually want to record it and put it out there. But then the very next day, a mum friend of mine expressed pretty much the same emotions to me. And so I wonder if it's just me and her or whether I'll get quite a few messages to say you felt similarly or feel similarly. If you do, you might also enjoy Ashley James on Giovanna Fletcher's podcast, Happy Mum, Happy Baby. I think it was a recent episode, but she expressed quite a lot of the same feelings that I really identified with and I enjoyed how she spoke about her own experience. Luckily I don't have the birth trauma, the incontinence, all of that that she had to deal with, thank god, but I felt quite a lot of other similarities so you might as well. I think it's worth a listen. This week I started writing a blog post. Did you even know that I have a blog by the way? (laughs) Obviously the website nextofkin.ae will be a work in progress until we launch the brand. And then that will be the main focus. But until then, you can find a podcast player and the blog over there, as well as where you can sign up to the mailing list. Actually, can I go off on a very small tangent right now and express how grateful I am to those of you who signed up to my mailing list? I said a few episodes back that I needed to start growing a mailing list so that I have some potential customers to launch the brand to. And a few of my very lovely listeners went out of their way to go and add their email addresses without anything in return. So thank you so much. Actually, I spent the end of last week trying to work out my emails and I even created something I wanted to do as a giveaway to grow the mailing list. I spent basically the whole of Thursday and Friday doing this. I got so far. I uploaded it all. It was ready to go. I think it was actually live at some point. And then I just realized it was a bit rubbish. And so I scrapped the whole idea. So back to the drawing board on that one. But I did learn a lot in the process, so I guess it's not all lost. Now let's scoot back to why I first mentioned the website for the blog. 
I used to love writing so much in primary school, but my God, does formal education take the fun out of it? I totally forgot I used to enjoy it. Then I wrote a small post for regular mums, which was something that just flew out of me in literally, I don't know, two to five minutes. And it reminded me why I used to enjoy writing. So I decided I'd like to use my blog much more to write articles. And I guess the past few weeks I've had a lot on my mind. I find one of the best ways to release that is often to write it all down. So I sat down to write this and what I ended up writing, I realized made a far better podcast episode because I just couldn't summarize what I was trying to get out of me. Now I've had all sorts of stresses, which you lovely lot do not need to know about, (laughs) but some of the ideas that have been swirling around my head is very much to do with parenting. Two of the themes of my first year as a parent that I've yo-yoed about and found very sort of pressurized and quite emotional will not really come as a surprise to any of you because I discuss them a lot on this podcast and that is feeding and sleep. In fact last week I glossed over sleep quickly quite honestly because I was that tired that I couldn't even compute of what I would want to say (laughs) which is so ironic but there we go. Then I came across an article in The Guardian by Lucy Pasha Robinson and the headline caught my attention. It just said, baby sleep has become a sign of parenting competence and a source of shame. This was then followed by admitting my two-year-old still wakes at night can elicit a gasp of horror. Expectations around infant sleep are often way off, which is really interesting It reminded me of an article that Lisa sent me to add to the show notes from her sleep coaching episode, that's episode six, and that was The Safe Sleep 7 by La Leche League. I'll link these articles all again in the show notes today. But The Safe Sleep 7, I guess I was just expecting to be another list of things that I should be doing with my daughter for sleep that I was probably failing at. But no, it's stated on there, one of the first things it says is that studies show that 60 to 75%, so the majority of breastfeeding mothers co-sleep at some point. And I thought, what? That's not what I've been led to believe. It then goes on to say that most mums don't admit to it. So I then second guessed whether it's something that I should be admitting to in this very public podcast or I guess a blog forum if it's so shameful that a lot of mothers don't even admit to it, which exactly links back to this Guardian article that baby sleep has become a sign of parenting competence. Now, you probably already know that babies in separate beds and rooms is a relatively new and Western phenomena, but it's only within the last year that the NHS updated their guidelines to include safe co-sleeping as a good option, especially for the breastfeeding babies, If you want to know the full reasons why it's safer for breastfeeding babies, check out that Safe Sleep 7 link. I found that really interesting. But ultimately, co-sleeping can lead to better sleep all round. Now, as you know, the premise of this podcast is that I want to keep things really honest, but also friendly and light. So I'm not going to go on a big rant about societal expectations. To be honest, I'm not sure that I'm the most eloquent of speakers to be able to discuss this properly. If you do know of one who might want to come on the show, then let me know because I would love to have that conversation, but that's not what I'm here to do today. I've also got the mixed feelings of I don't want to scare any pregnant listeners. You know, I hate when people say sleep now, sleep now because you won't sleep when the baby's here. 
I hate when they say that to pregnant people because there's nothing like that pregnancy tiredness and why bother scaring them (laughs) like we all figure it out when we're mums right so let's let's not say that to pregnant people but I also don't want pregnant listeners or listeners who are struggling with sleep to feel like failures if they don't have this sort of faux textbook baby who sleeps in a cot through the night in their own room at six months I don't know (laughs) so what I'd like to do is normalize the sleep struggles and the roller coaster of it all by sharing with you as a podcasty mate my thoughts on it all as a mother who is very much still in the depths. If you don't know, my baby is 11 months old. She's still breastfed. It's very much her choice because <laughs> she's more stubborn than me and my attempts to get her on a bottle. And she's also what you would call a koala or a Velcro baby temperament wise. So she's a high needs baby. At eight weeks old, she started sleeping through the night in her cot and I celebrated. I felt superior and I was just waiting for my mother of the year award. (laughs) I should mention that it was absolutely fine for me to be letting her sleep through as well. She had fed herself up from an average sized baby at birth to on the high end of the scale. So that was all fine. Now, that lasted a week. Fine. She's waking up twice a night again. Okay. Then we'd go back to the UK things went downhill a bit more. Actually, a lot of people that I spoke to said they'd experienced the same with any travel. So, okay, no bother. I'll get her back on track when I am back home. Wrong. (laughs) When we got back to Dubai, I couldn't get her into a cot at all. My reference on baby sleep was a popular online guide, which said that at this age, the three to four months, I should be training her to self-settle. And I should do that by putting her down drowsy. I couldn't get her in a cot completely asleep. I was spending two and a half hours a night attempting to get her in a cot and it would end up with her crying so much out of frustration that every time she settled comfortably in my arms, I kept trying to put her down in the next me cot and she was crying out like, mum, I've already told you, I am not going in that cot. I absolutely will not go in. And so there I am at my wit's end, scouring the internet, going, yes, yes, I understand that she should be self-soothing and that she should be put down drowsy. But where's the bit where it tells you how to get the baby that doesn't want to be in the cot into a cot? Then I come across the sleep trainers, the social media sleep consultants. And you know that I've had Lisa on the podcast, who is wonderful. She has been such a big support lately to me. So she won't mind me saying that at the time, This brigade of sleep trainers were just not answering my questions. (laughs) So I was there wondering, and I hadn't met Lisa at this point either, so I hadn't even started the podcast. So I was there wondering, why are we gatekeeping this? Now knowing Lisa and her expertise and the way that she can fully tailor an approach, I don't feel the same because she tailors the support that she'll offer and you get a really high level of support. So I totally get that that should cost money and she actually really doesn't gatekeep any of it. She's got a free blog. But back then, right at the start of this year, before I'd even start this podcast, I then stumble across the anti-sleep training brigade. You can tell how the algorithms work, right? <laughs> First, <laughs> give her all the sleep consultants. Okay, now give her the anti-sleep training brigade. So it seems that the cry out method, which I had always assumed I would need to do at some point, I just thought that's what you did. But then I had realized that it just did not work on Bonnie's temperament anyway, But I learned from the anti-sleep training brigade that this can work because the baby feels like there's no point. 
they give up crying and they feel abandoned, which breaks my heart. So no thanks, not trying that again. But I need to find something in the middle here. I wonder how many of you felt this same way, you know, that overwhelming love for your baby, the feeling that this is what you've always wanted. So you better soak it all up and not mess it up. I love my baby so much that I am still scared to do anything that might make her feel abandoned or to question quite how much I love her. So this cry out method, I just couldn't compute at all. I also realized that it was overwhelming my thoughts and that I wasn't soaking up and enjoying that time because I was so consumed by this sleep issue. So I gave in for a bit. And what followed were some of my absolute favourite motherhood moments of the first year. We went to bed together, it was so easy and stress-free, and me and my angelic little baby cuddled up. Let's say she probably woke up three times a night, she'd wake up, latch on for a couple of minutes, and then neither of us really had to fully wake back up and wind back down, so we were both getting the best sleep. So I reframed my whole thinking, something that Lisa will tell you is a huge part of her job. And I guess this is why I'm recording this to possibly give a few other mums other perspectives and to help them reframe. Now, it doesn't mean every night was a breeze. Of course, a lot of the time she resisted going to sleep or she woke up more times, etc, etc. But overall, I was happy. I was well rested and so was the baby. Rich, on the other hand, was on the sofa. But look, He didn't have to do pregnancy and childbirth, so we were all happy (laughs) with the trade-off. Then she turned eight months and things changed. And as much as I enjoyed my nightly snuggles, I was no longer getting sleep, like at all. She wanted to be latched on the whole night and I cannot sleep like that. I'm not the best sleeper as it is. And obviously at eight months she started crawling as well, so I was just scared she was going to crawl right out of that bed. I also reached a time where I would like to start having some evenings back. I haven't had an evening in a long time and even if it would just be to work in the evenings, I'd quite like that. We then went back to the UK and things didn't get any better at all. Then when we got back, I dropped Lisa a message. I just needed a bit of moral support one evening. I was there with Bonnie lying asleep on top of me, refusing to be unlatched. And I also that night was reading my book, the book you wish your parents had read. Uh, Yeah, something like that. The book you wish your parents had read and your kids will be glad you read. Something like that in the title. You probably know it. And It just so happened that I was at a chapter discussing sleep and I'll try to summarise this a lot but it basically said that our babies need comfort from us. This world of wanting our baby to sleep separate from us is not the norm or she's trying to say that it shouldn't be the norm and that if we do want to promote independence in a child so that they can sleep independently the best way to do this is through giving all the comfort that they need and are asking for and they will then feel secure enough to become independent. Of of course, this is then going to be at their own pace. I think, great, I feel so much better about co-sleeping and that I'm giving her all of this comfort, which at the time was to be attached to me. That was how she was getting the comfort. So yeah, I want her to become securely attached to me. So Lisa's given me some tips at the time. So yeah, feeling great. And this all lasts for a few nights. <laughs> until I then haven't slept. She is reattaching herself to me every 10 minutes. I'm a zombie. Rich takes over that morning. I struggle to even smile. But hey, at least I'm giving her all this comfort at night. (laughs) But am I being the good parent I want to be during the day? 
So where does that leave me? I live in a modern world where I'm trying to start a business to provide for my family. Perhaps this is just a big story to show the difficulties of of not having your traditional village as an expat and why we need support and the role of experts and why it's even more important. Talking to experts like Lisa has given me some great tips, one of which was reframing my thoughts and reassuring me that I knew what to do and I'm trying to focus back into my own intuition of what I feel like is right for me as well as my baby what level of comfort she needs and also where I can push it a bit to enable me to get the rest that I need. So I don't have the answers right now, I'm afraid. (laughs) Actually, I'm pretty grateful that I'm here in Dubai. I'm not missing out as much in the evenings because most of my mates are back in the UK. So I can avoid a lot of that judgment that I referred to at the start, feeling like how well you are doing as a mum is measured by your baby's sleep or just other silly notions that we feel from society. I also have been able to quit my job and work for myself, which gives me the flexibility I need to be able to give comfort to my child when she needs it throughout the day, but also to cut myself a bit of slack on days where I am too much of a zombie, which I just couldn't see myself being able to do back in the UK. I wouldn't, I really don't think I would have quit my job or anything like that. So there are the swings and roundabouts as always with expat life and motherhood in general. I really appreciated an Instagram post actually recently by Social Mums UAE, which was about how two things can be true in motherhood, the opposites of it all. They call it duality. And I think this is why my mind has been swirling, because it's quite a new phenomenon to me that you can have so many conflicting emotions constantly coexisting. My big conflict right now is around the sleep. So that's why I've been using this example the comfort, but also looking after myself and, well, what I've just been discussing. Some examples that I liked that they used were that in motherhood, we can ache to stop time while also wishing a hard stage would pass. I definitely really feel that at the moment because the sleep is the really hard bit and I'm starting to just dread the bedtimes. But oh my goodness, I absolutely love this stage for all the other bits, like her personality is just wonderful. I love it. The other example they used is that we can feel lonely without ever actually getting to be alone. (laughs) And I think that one's particularly poignant for the mums at the start of their mat leave. I know I felt that. Just know that no one knows whether they're doing this right. And it's the one thing in your life you really don't want to mess up. But let's look back at parenting and say the 90s cry it out was absolutely the norm. That generation of parents were all being told that that was the right thing to do. If you go back a generation before that, they were doing all sorts. They were giving babies oatmeal in bottles, a bit of alcohol for the gums. (laughs) So I've decided all I can do is follow my intuition and do what feels right for me and my baby. Take the advice that aligns with that and leave the rest. At least then, when she's in therapy in 20 years' time, it will all have been an honest, loving mistake (laughs) instead of because I just blindly followed. So that's my situation right now. What do you think? Do you agree with Lucy Pasha Robinson? Has sleep become a sign of parenting competence and shame? And also, what conflicting emotions are you currently battling with, if any at all?
Bonnie is now officially 11 months old and the time is ticking away before she's going to be a whole year old. I'm genuinely in shock. I can't believe it. Everyone tells you it's going to go fast, but my goodness. So for my mum lemma this week, I would love to hear all about your birthday traditions. I see loads of sweet ideas on social media. Uh, Let me think of some. I saw the other day a birthday plate, but I can't quite remember the context of that one. There are quite a lot of cute photo ideas, like getting a birthday crown to take a photo of them in the crown each year. That's really sweet. I think maybe I'll do that one. But one thing that I started that you might like to adopt, I opened an email address for her when she was first born so that I could send her emails over the years and then give her the password to the account when she turns, I don't know, 18 or 21. I just thought of this actually because I sent her the little post that I'd done for regular mums the other day, which is what made me think to include it in this episode. But it'll be so funny if the first year or two are just gushing emails like, I love you so much, my darling girl. And then by teenage years, it's just like, "Mm -hmm, you were 13 this year, the end. (laughs) So we'll have to see how they turn out. But I thought it'd be a sweet present for her when she's older. What are your traditions then? Anything that you think I should be getting on board with? And I will make this week's recommendation the email idea. Just make sure that you don't forget the password. Thank you for joining me this week. And I hope this episode hasn't just been me offloading onto you. Because as always, if this just helps one other mum out there who's feeling a bit reassured or like she isn't alone that will be completely worth the recording and editing for me. I've already had quite a few people get in touch about different episodes, but mainly that are married in Dubai one. And I do really appreciate the messages and I am more than happy to help whenever I can. So if your baby is not acting like the textbook baby that you are expecting and you are starting to doubt your own parenting abilities, chin up ladies and gents, trust your intuitions. You know what's right for your baby and societal pressures are just well off the mark. Now I just need to go and take my own advice. So do give me your feedback on this episode. Obviously, I haven't come to a very neat conclusion there on my thoughts and feelings and my conflicting emotions. But let's have this as an open discussion. Come and join me in the comments, in my DMs. It's at nextofkin.ae on Instagram. And please do share this podcast with anyone that you think might benefit from it. Have a lovely week, everyone. 